From what's on to what matters, it's Tracy Mack on Newcastle in the Morning, only on Newcastle Live. The most outstanding live show in Las Vegas hits the Hunter. Songs in the key of Motown. Eight award-winning soul singers deliver the harmonies and soul of The Temptations, The Supremes, Stevie Wonder and more. All the hits, all the iconic dance moves. Songs in the key of Motown, live in concert. Friday, August 26, Belmont 16s. Tickets at 16s.com.au. Grab your wine, put your headphones on and relax. It's time to rip open the cover of the sealed section and delve deep. But be warned, it's adults only. It's After Dark with Louise Wilkinson from 6pm every Tuesday night. Only on Newcastle Live Radio. Brought to you by Flirt Adult Store Hamilton. Your trusted source for local breaking news and what to make of it all. It's Tracy Mack on Newcastle in the Morning. Welcome back to the program. I hope you're enjoying your Monday morning. Joining me on the line now is the uh, the federal member for Newcastle. She's home this weekend. They've got a little bit of a uh, a break in Parliament, but of course that doesn't mean that she uh, quietens down. It's actually the opposite. Good morning and welcome, Sharon Clayton. How are you? Good morning, Trace, and morning to all your listeners too. It's great to be home. I bet it is. Now, how has the first few weeks as uh, as the Deputy Speaker been? Now, I played something to our listeners a, a week or so ago about... Uh, Somebody in the other side uh, just continuing to call you uh, Mr. Speaker. That must be so frustrating, Sharon. Well, it's time for change. There's a new government. <laughs> there's a, an entire report into Commonwealth parliamentary workplaces that suggests we need to change the culture of the place. And in my new role as Deputy Speaker for the House of Representatives, I'm going to play a very lead role in that cultural change. Um, that was step one. Mm. It's not that hard, is it, to, to instead of saying Mr Speaker, Madam Speaker or Deputy Speaker or any, you know, it's not that hard. It shouldn't be hard. And my advice to all my colleagues is uh, it's a fairly simple title. It's Deputy Speaker. You don't actually need to put anything in front of it. Mm. Uh, and if people were better practised at that, they wouldn't need to worry if it's a man or a woman uh, sitting in the chair, it's the same title. Exactly. And uh, getting our heads around that is should <laughs> not be that challenging. Look, it really shouldn't. And and in all seriousness, Sharon, it does yet again, as you, you mentioned at the outset, it once again shows just how out of touch some of our politicians are down there in Canberra with what we expect from them. Well, the Jenkins report made abundantly apparent to all Australians uh, that there are cultural issues within our parliamentary workplaces. We've just seen the scandalous report of incidents in the New South Wales Parliament coming out last week. And uh, so it requires focused attention of all parliaments, I expect, across Australia. But more importantly, we just had an election where the Australian people, and I think Australian women in particular, made very clear that this is not to be tolerated anymore, that there is an expectation that there will be national leadership on this front to, uh, to ensure that we start changing the culture 
uh, not just of our workplaces uh, in Canberra, but everywhere. Uh, there is a Respect at Work report that Sex Commissioner Jenkins uh, brought down prior to her uh, investigation of Commonwealth workplaces. That also requires our attention. Every person attending work should be able to go to somewhere that is safe and respectful of each and every worker. That's the aim and ambition for our nation now. It really is concerning that, uh, you know, as women, we know that we have to battle harder than uh, than anyone else. But when someone like yourself is sitting in such a position of power and treated with, with such disrespect, that's the big concern, isn't it? That, uh, you know, we've tried to tell these people, you know, a lot of the teal votes went because people weren't happy with where, where that side of government was sitting. You'd think that somebody would pay attention to this and realise that that is the most misogynistic thing you could do and it really alienates 50% of the population. Well, I am in a position of power, as you say, and it is my job to call that behaviour out and it is our collective role as parliamentarians to insist upon the change. And that's really very much the focus of my work uh, in my new role as mm -hmm. Deputy Speaker of the House for the remaining of this term. So um, I have been appointed to chair the Parliamentary Standards Committee, I'm on a parliamentary leadership task force to do that. It's uh, going to be a really critical focus of the new government uh, and certainly a very strong personal commitment from myself mm. to do all that I can. I don't want to waste a single day in government uh, or in these new roles about trying to bring about constructive, uh, respectful change. How tough do you think it's going to be? Cultural change is the hardest bit. It's actually a lot easier to uh, make amendments to the standing orders and these are jobs that we will be doing indeed. There are, you can make changes to rules, regulations and laws. Uh, the really hard piece is in getting them to be part of people's everyday practice and that's the, uh, that is the long-term work and it's the hardest work is the cultural change. You've got to uh, just be vigilant and mm. you've got to be on it all the time. Uh, and it just means that you don't sit back and take change and successes for granted. I think um, we learn these things throughout history. Uh, my observations of the overturning of the Roe versus Wade uh, decision in the US, while we have a very different legal circumstances here in Australia, uh, it is a reminder that you can never ever not be vigilant about hard-fought rights that have been achieved. Absolutely. Now, you and I spoke in July of last year about the Royal Commission into uh, Defence and Veteran Suicide. The interim report has been handed down um, after more than 1,900 submissions and uh, 194 witnesses. It was pretty tough going, um, the inquiry mm -hmm. as well as the interim report. Obviously, uh, you're now in, uh, in the seat of power. You're the ones that can make the changes. What does the interim report say, Sharon? It is heartbreaking, um, and I should say right at the start, um, you know, I know both you and I have had uh, have personal history of being raised in veteran families, mm -hmm. and um, the death of the death by suicide of any Australian, um, including our veterans and those who are currently serving in the Australian Defence Forces, is a really just a horrific tragedy, and. 
uh, and it's each and every one of those deaths is carries such pain and trauma for the families, loved ones involved. And we've known for some time now, even prior to the Royal Commission, that the rate of suicide amongst our veteran community is significantly higher than it is across the broader Australian community. And that's why Labor, in when we were in opposition, joined with the families who had lost loved ones to establish the Royal Commission into Defence and Veteran Suicide. So the interim report, and I really thank the Royal Commission for bringing down an interim report because they are the submissions um, for Royal Commission are still open, by the way, until the 13th of October next year, and the final report's not expected until 20, mid-2024. So it was critical, in my view, that the Royal Commission was able to bring down an interim report and start putting some... Uh, flags there for this new government to um, to start paying attention to and work on those aspects that we can bring about uh, good uh, positive change whilst waiting for the final report. And um, I'm not sure if listeners got to hear of some of the evidence that was given, but it, it's heartbreaking. It's um, it is also just a very strong reminder of how and why we need to do better. Um, and so that interim report, it's going to, it alerts us uh, to a number of key issues and uh, that DVA has got to reflect on um, in the very immediate and mm-hmm. short term um, and, and act uh, as well. So things like the simplification of DVA legislation, um, we've got to work on that. We've got... We know that there are staffing and resource issues in our Departments of Veterans Affairs offices because there is a massive claims backlog. Mm. 42,000 of them. Yeah, it's just unacceptable. <sighs> it is totally unacceptable. And um, that is... Um, I've, you know, discussed with a number of veterans in our region how what that is doing to them and their families, having an unresolved claim hanging over their heads. Um, we've got to improve that process. Uh, it was very apparent that when people are seeking to transition from the um, defence force to civilian life, we still haven't got that right. We still haven't got um, proper, uh, well, enough supports in place to make sure that that transition for those leaving the ADF is the very best it can be, that it is going to... Um, not just, you know, once you leave defence, just be, you know, have the, the cord cut mm. and, um, and you know, no more advice, assistance or support being rendered. Uh, that's not working and we need to do better. And you would have thought after all of the experiences of what happened in Vietnam and the fact that those guys were just brought home in the dead of night and pushed back into society, you'd think that we would have learnt. You would. And it is... Um, it is distressing. It is really distressing, actually, that it's taking us so long to um, prioritise and properly resource and support those um, those mechanisms that we know do help and do work. And uh, and so, it is really important that we get better at that transition process. Now we've had enough reports, inquiries, and as you rightly point out, Tracy, ex- lived experience mm-hmm. of those Vietnam veterans 
to know um, that we've got to do better. Mm. We've also got to uh, look at just making, increasing the availability and access to information and services. It is still a challenge for um, our veterans to navigate their way through uh, the services and supports that are available. You know, the fact that they don't know about some of those is really alarming. Uh, And then when they do find out that perhaps the access remains a problem because of backlogs and um, just not having enough resources in those areas. So these are all things that we should be able to, honestly, we Mm. should be able to just get started on. We don't need to wait for the final report. And I think, you know, and that's why I'm deeply indebted to the Royal Commission for uh, releasing this interim report saying, look, you know, you do not need to wait another two years for us to do our final report. You can start the work now and here are some really important um, milestones for you to kind of work towards. So Sharon, what do you see um, as the the first step? You know, will will the Defence Minister fund a DVA better? Will we have more support and more staff going into DVA? How are we going to get these 42,000 backlog under control? I, um, without preempting a government announcement, <laughs> I'd be very surprised if there wasn't more support uh, and resources going mm. in to ensure that we get through this backlog. I know that um, you know all of the discussions we'd had with uh, defence um, and service organisations, with the families of those who've lost loved ones, um, who were. Um, vital to calling that is that Royal Commission in the first place they all have talked to us about the need for um, DVA to be properly staffed and resourced to reduce this claims backlog and just how what an arduous task that was getting through I mean it's really hard for people to do the application mm-hmm. process in the first place let alone have it sit somewhere in a department going nowhere for, you know, unacceptable periods of time. And um, just completely, you know, the questions and the, the you know, why are you applying? And, you know, it's it's really the uh, the the guilt and, uh, you know, the watching. And it's all of that that the, that the veterans mm-hmm. just don't need, nor do they deserve. They've fought for this country. None of them deserve to be treated like this. That's right. And when people are made to feel like they're um, being questioned, that the validity of their experiences are questioned in some way, then it's, uh, it really it often results in people mm. just retreating and giving up and not going uh, mm. to receive the support and assistance they require. Uh, so there's a big burden on our uh, ex-service organisations and the remaining few welfare officers that we have in those organisations. Um, and so I'm very, I'm acutely aware of not only is there an under-resourcing um, uh, happening within the Department of Veterans Affairs, uh, but those kind of non-government organisations that sit outside where veterans often present first to get, um, you know, to talk to people who've been through conflict and war and understand their experiences and try to... Um, sit with somebody who they know is going to have some empathy, uh, that, you know, those uh, ex-service organisations are also just under the pump. Their welfare officers are volunteers um, who have 
done the training to be advocates for um, men and women of our defence, uh, ex-service men and women, and, uh, you know, they need to be properly uh, assisted as well. I mean, they are doing this as volunteers in our community and they're telling me they don't feel properly supported in doing that role either. It's just tragic all around. Um, I, as I said, uh, I'm very pleased that the interim report has come out because that gives us two years to start to work on some of the issues before the rest of it comes out. And uh, and truly, if you haven't seen anything on it, th- the least you can do is go and have a look at Jackie Lambie's address and the emotion that uh, that she feels. And uh, she has a voice. She's able to sit up there and have a voice. There are a lot of veterans out there who can't. So it is really, mm. really important. Thanks so much for your time. When do you go back to Canberra? Heading back in a few weeks, but I've uh, got uh, a lot of... um, I'm off to represent the Australian Parliament in Halifax, Nova Scotia in a few days. Nice. paper there um, on this work on parliamentary reforms and the, you know, making our workplaces uh, safe and respectful and then uh, straight back uh, home to... Um, so that I can get to do all the fantastic jobs I get to do in Newcastle before heading back to Canberra for uh, another... You're a bloody busy woman, there's no doubt about that. I love it, though. It's a great, <laughs> it's a great job and I don't want to waste a single day. Not at all. It's been, uh, it's been long enough that you, uh, you haven't been able to do anything. Now you can really make a difference. So uh, congratulations. Thank you for all that you're doing. And, uh, and as the Democrats would have said, keep the bastards on us down there, won't you? Absolutely. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, Sharon. Bye Appreciate bye. your time. Bye. That is Sharon Clayton, who is the uh, federal member for Newcastle. She's also the deputy speaker of the House of Representatives. If uh, this conversation has caused any concerns for you, please, the Defence Member and Family Hotline, which is 1800 624 608. That number again is 1800 624 608. It is free, it's confidential, it's a 24 hour seven days a week national counselling service for Australian veterans and their families. If you do need any assistance, please reach out. That number again, one 624 608 And as always, Lifeline Australia is always there, 13 11 14. That number again is 13 11 14. And it really has been a tough time for everybody. The release of that report, the suicide of... Paul Green on Thursday. It's been a really tough time for everybody. So please reach out, have a chat with somebody. If you're finding it tough at the moment, if you're not knowing where to go, don't be alone. The bravest thing you can do is to reach out. It is the most vulnerable thing as well that you can do. So please, if you need assistance at the moment, reach out to uh, to any of those helplines. You're with Tracy Mack on Newcastle Live. With decades of media experience, Tracy Mack brings you a smart, fast-paced morning of news and entertainment with special guests and major newsmakers for your morning fix. Join Tracy Mack for Newcastle in the Morning, weekdays from 9, only on Newcastle Live.